this morning we are starting a, a conversation that I, I hope and trust is going to shape your year and uh, is going to shape mine. Um, man, as uh, is true in our culture, and it's no surprise to many of you, that the early stages of a new year often provide this incredible reset moment for us. It just affords us this brand new page and this brand new opportunity to ask the question, what do I want to do a little bit better this time around? It's not necessarily magical, but there is beauty to this opportunity afforded to all of us to just kind of start over and ask the questions, what might I want to do a little bit better? This year, uh, my wife and I had this conversation. We are parents of teenagers, and between that and just the general responsibilities of adulting, we find ourselves spending a lot of time in the car. And as we were driving, we were having this conversation, asking this very question, wanting to make sure we're making the most of this moment to just hit reset. What do we want to do a little bit better this year as, as a couple, as, as parents in uh, our finances, in our areas of passion and hobbies even? What do we want to do um, a little bit better? Because I think we've done it enough times to understand that better doesn't just happen because we didn't particularly like how the last round went. Um, better happens because you carve out intentional time to ask the intentional questions and start to think about and prioritize, well, what are we going to do to move towards better? And so we've been wrestling through some of that particular conversation. But as a pastor, that question arises about the church as a whole. If this new year is heaven giving us this opportunity and asking us the question, what do y'all want to do a little bit better this year? What might we say? What might make it to the top of the list? Better yet, if we reversed the question and asked, what do we believe heaven might be inviting us to consider doing just a little bit better this year? What would we say? What would make it to the top of the list? And this series is an answer to that question For us as a church, what do we believe heaven is inviting us to do a little bit better this year? And the answer to that is very simple. It might almost feel underwhelming. We want to get to know Jesus a little more personally this year. We want to get to know the person of Jesus a little more personally this year. That's the thing. 
that's the thing we believe that if we get to the end of the year and we look back and we messed up on a bunch of different things and we didn't quite hit as many goals, but we can all say we got to know Jesus just a little bit better this year. We believe heaven will be smiling and our souls will be soaring. Because at the beginning portions of the year, we all said we are in on what it looks like to get to know Jesus a little bit better this year. And oh, we are not inviting you to consider that as a priority because one of us at church thought it was a good idea. Please never reorient. Please never change your plans. Please never prioritize something in your life just because somebody up here with a microphone said it. We're inviting you to consider that because Jesus said the highest pursuit in your life, not just in this year, but in your life, is to know him just a little bit better. Did you know that? If you have a copy of the Bible, meet me in John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Uh, Jesus is on the verge of his voluntary death on the cross, and he knows it. He is moments away from experiencing the greatest suffering of his eternal existence. And in that space, I can imagine what matters most to him rushes to the surface. And as Jesus is praying about what's pressing on his heart, this is what he says. Um, this is John chapter 17, verse number 3. Uh, so we'll start at verse 1 and we'll get to verse 3. Here's what it says. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and he prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those that you have given him. Verse 3. Now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This, Jesus says, is what life full and forever is all about. That they would know me and in so doing, they would know you. Man, John chapter 17 verse 3, it messed with my life when I first interacted with it. That this is life. But not just life, this is life eternal. That they would know me. What? I'm just telling you, as somebody who grew up in the church, this was an awakening moment for me. Wait, what? I thought eternal life was that uh, I get to go to heaven after I die. 
And Jesus says, "Ah." but mainly it's that you get to know me. Well, I I thought eternal life was the fact that I get out of experiencing hell and suffering. Phew, sweet relief to that. Yes, but mainly it's about knowing me. Well, I thought eternal life was this glorious place on the other side of the pearly gates. the pearly gates but no mainly it's about knowing the one who came to this side of the gates it's about knowing me this messed with my world That eternal life is not ultimately about going to heaven after we die. It's not ultimately about a ticket out of hell. It's not ultimately about the fact that I've been rescued from my sin and I've been forgiven. Those things are all true and they're all great. Jesus says, no, it is ultimately that you get to know me. It's not so much that you get to live forever and ever and ever. That's not ultimately what eternal life is. That's what I thought most of my life. It's not so much that you get to live forever. It's that you get to know the one who is forever. It just so happens it will require forever to know the forever one. Knowing Jesus Is life's highest pursuit. I'm just asking you. Are you willing to consider. Joining us in that being. The priority. This. Year. John chapter 17 verse 3. Now this is eternal life. That they know you. The only true God. And Jesus whom you have Sent. Um, when Jesus uses the word know here, uh, he is inviting us far beyond the way we typically use the word know in our cultural context. Um, when we use the word know, it, it happens in, in the context of the exchange of information. Do you know the square root of nine? Um, I got to decide that question because I wanted a mathematical problem I could actually solve, right? (laughs) Do do you know the square root of nine? Uh, Do you know how to get to TJ Maxx? Yes. Have you met my wife? This is called date night. Um, So yes, I know how to get there. Do you know how much a two liter of RC Cola costs? No, I actually don't. Um, So maybe one of you college students can come and tell me. I don't know the answer to that particular question, right? Do you know 
Uh, Roger Federer. Ooh, girl, don't get me fanboying over here. Roger, Roger, I'm just the biggest Roger Federer fan. I don't care how many major titles Rafa Nadal wins. He could win the Australian Open again this year. Won't matter. Roger Federer is the greatest of all time. I love Roger. Thank you. I knew this was a godly church. Um, do you know Roger Federer? Yeah, I know him. Matter of fact, I've got a picture to prove it. Altar call. Come on, let's come to the front. Um, woo! Man, this is an old picture. So you're saying, hey, did you guys know Kondo knows Roger Federer? Um, wait, Kondo, so you're saying you know him? Yeah, I know him! So you're saying like you, 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 you guys, you know each other personally? Okay, hold up now. I would like to give you that impression by posting on social media that we know each other. Why did you have to ruin my moment by saying personally? No one said anything about personally. Let's just settle with I know. Roger, this man has no idea I exist. (laughs) Not the slightest clue in the world. To which Jesus would say, Oh, so you're saying you know about Roger Federer. And I would have to say, when Jesus uses the word, we can take the picture down. Um, When Jesus uses the word, no. He is transporting us way beyond information understanding, way beyond intellectual comprehension. When Jesus uses the word no, he's talking about becoming personally acquainted with each other. It's not so much that you know about me, it's that we are becoming personally acquainted with each other. And I just want to ask you, might you consider this becoming a year in which you become a little more personally acquainted with a person of Jesus Christ? Because according to him, that is what eternal life is all about. That you would know me and I would know you. Eternal life. This is way beyond having information about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. This is knowing him personally and experientially. I'm just asking, are you in on that being true about you this year? I'm just asking you, would you say that is true about you now? That you know Jesus. If you got to sit down with him for coffee, would that be awkward? 
Or would that be natural? I mean, aside from all the glowing and freakish colors and all of that, I'm talking about the interaction. Would it feel natural for you to sit down with Jesus for coffee or tea or water or RC Cola, whatever your beverage of choice is? Would it be awkward? Would it be like a Chris Farley weird situation for those of you who are generationally old enough to remember that? Uh, uh, Jesus? Um, remember, remember that one time when you were born and stuff? Yeah, that was awesome. Remember how, like, you, like how you walked on water and, remember that? I remember. I was cool, man. You know, like the red letters in the Bible, like, I'm curious to know, what would it be like? Um, the word he uses invites us into an interpersonal, growing acquaintance with his person. Our hope is that this year we will all be able to say, I know Jesus a little more personally, a little more than I did last Year. And not just because Mission Point thought it was a cute idea and a cool resolution that will tweet well or will show up nicely on Instagram, but because this is what Jesus says, life full and forever is about. It's a glorious invitation. But let me say this as well. That if, if we don't willingly accept this invitation. Um, If we don't become the answer to Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, we will inevitably become a part of Jesus' prediction in Matthew chapter 7. That will make sense to you here in a moment. This moment we have in this conversation is more than just an invitation that we don't want to miss out on. There is a warning attached to it that we never want to become true about us. There are some things that Jesus says that are really stirring if we are honest with ourselves. Um, And what Jesus says is, many if not most of the religious church going folk are going to miss out on what life eternal ultimately means. In fact, they'll be so content to know about me and do for me that they will miss the heart of knowing me on that day. Jesus makes a shocking statement. Not everyone who says they know me actually knows me. And we don't want that to ever be descriptive of any of us. Look at this. This is Matthew chapter 7. Starting at verse um, 1. 
Look at what Jesus says. This is stirring. And I pray the Spirit will give us the humility to interact with his word openly and honestly. And let him do his work. Not everyone who says to me. This is Jesus speaking. Not everyone who says to me. Lord, Lord. Will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day. Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons. And in your name perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly. I never. Here's that word. Knew. You. Away from me. You evil doers. Man, this passage of scripture was the single most instrumental passage in my salvation experience. Because I grew up around Roger Federer and I assumed that meant I knew him. I was a pastor's kid. I grew up in the church. I grew up around Jesus and I assumed that meant he and I were good. I would have Absolutely declared Jesus is Lord. No question. And I read this and Jesus says many if not most. The word here is a word that means an abundance of people. Who walk around calling me Lord. Will be shocked when I turn them away at the gates. That's sobering. Most people who think they have eternal life, Jesus says, they will be wrong. They'll get to the gate and find their heavenly account was never verified by me. Now, here's the cool thing. In his grace, Jesus doesn't leave us floundering to try and figure out like, well, but uh, how? He even gives us a sense of here are some of the mistakes that these people are going to make on that day. When they try and argue with me and reason with me, here are some of the mistakes that they are going to make. One of them that stood out to me is that they are going to place declaration over interaction. And that's a mistake. Right? That's when we as the religious church folk are so much more concerned with the things we say about Jesus. You know, the positions we take for Jesus. The stands we take for Jesus. The truths we post about Jesus. We said all the right things and we called him all the right names. Shame on all those people who don't know these true things. And shame on all those people who don't call him by the appropriate names. Because this is what separates us from those people. Is that we are willing to make these declarations. And we will fight to make sure that the name of Jesus stays in our holidays. And that the name of Jesus stays in these documents. And we are going to speak his name. Mm. Okay, I hear those declarations, but are, are you bringing the same energy when it comes to interacting with me? Not just saying things about me, 
Jesus doesn't boot the religious folks out of heaven because of something they said about him or something they called him or something incorrect. He says, because y'all didn't know me. You talked about me, but you spent very little time with me. Which is what eternal life is about. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Come on, Jesus. Didn't you hear how much we said about you? How much we talked about you? How much we communicated about you? Yeah, but you were not interested in doing what matters most to my father, the will of my father, which is knowing me personally. And in that case, the church might as well be gossiping about me, talking about me behind my back, but never to my face. And I'm just asking you, might this be the year where I spend more time talking with Jesus than I spend talking about him? May this be the year that I spend more time saying things to him in interaction than making declarations about him. This was striking to me. May this be the year where the church stops using the name of Jesus as a prop in our political arguments. He's not a position to be taken. He's a person to be known first and foremost. I'm just asking, do you say more about Jesus Then you say to Jesus. Jesus is saying on that day there will be a lot of people who thought what they said about me was more important than what they said to me. But it doesn't really matter so much what you call me if you never actually call me. I mean, if I was describing my marriage and how glorious it is, right? And how much, and I start to tell you, I talk about her all the time. In fact, let me tell you some things about her. I was talking about her the other day. And I was talking about her the other day. And I told her, and I described her, and I said all the things about my wife to all of these people. And, and my wife's like, except we haven't talked in three weeks. But am I wrong about what I said? You would counsel me. You might want to invest a little more in the actual relationship. You may want to spend more time interacting with than you are declaring about. This year we want to first choose interaction with Jesus. And we want that interaction to lead to declaration. I assure you. If we say yes to interacting more with Jesus, you will not be able to shut us up about him. The one will inevitably lead to the other. But I assure you, just talking about Jesus will never drive you to talk to Jesus. It starts with knowing him personally. Mistake number two. 
Is it seems like this religious group of folks placed ministry over intimacy. And Jesus says that was, that was not it. That's not what eternal life is about. It's not primarily that you would do things for me. Because I can do things for myself. Without you. It's about you knowing me and me knowing you. And it turns out you can't know me and I can't know you without you. Ministry over intimacy. And I think a lot of this is because we love to be able to, to check things off a list. We love to be able to measure success. And ministry is easier to measure than intimacy. But did you see this in, 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 in the passage, verse 22? Many will say to me, and this is an impressive resume, y'all. We all want to be a part of this church. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Jesus, our New Year's resolution was to do more amazing and astonishing things for you. Don't you remember? And we did it in your name. We did this for you. We prophesied. We said things to people that there was no way we could have humanly known. And it was powerful and it impacted and changed their lives. We did this for you. Jesus, we evicted evil spirits from people and we sent them back to hell where they belong in your name. We set people free and we did this for you. Not to mention a bunch of other miracles that we did in your name. How can you say you didn't know us? How can you say that our heavenly account was not verified? We did some impressive stuff for you in your name. For you, Jesus. Yeah. But eternal life is not first about doing for me. It's about being with me. Come on, ask Martha somebody. If you know that story, Martha's running around, making all the preparations for Jesus while he's sitting in the house. And she's frustrated. No one else is doing anything. Everyone else is just sitting with you. Tell these people to come and help me do all of these things for you. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are missing the point. I didn't come to your house so you can do stuff for me. I didn't come so you could bake me bread. I am the bread of life, the certified bread maker. I cause bread to fall down from heaven. I came to be with you. Come and sit with me. Instead of running around doing all of this stuff for me, come and sit with me. And in fact, he says, your sister has chosen the better thing, which is not doing It's being with me. Come and start there. But Jesus, we did these miraculous things for you. That's great. I lent you some of my holy power. And you saw some incredible things. But just because I use you does not mean I know you. 
study the Bible, Jesus has used donkeys to speak. If we prioritize doing, and Jesus can use anyone and anything at any time. But the irreplaceable thing, he cannot know you without you. And so he says to them, depart from me. You did great things, but you missed the greater point. And I'm just asking, are you in on chasing after the higher pursuit? And for a church like ours, this is a word we need to hear. If you ask this community what Mission Point Community Church is known for, we are a mission movement and may we always be. But man, for a church like this, we might revolutionize our community and plunder the orphanages and our community might hail us as miracle workers and it might be tempting that because we did all of these things for Jesus, we must also know him. Which is another reason I believe heaven is inviting us, don't miss the main heart of eternal life. And oh, make no mistake about it. If we get to know Jesus, we are going to be launched even further into the doing for Jesus. Because if you love me, you will obey my commands. If you love me, you are going to do what I say. But just because you do does not mean you love. It starts with the personal relationship. And we want to be all in on that. This year, by the way, as tough as this might be to hear, I think there will be a lot of surprised Bible experts on that day. People who made the mistake of choosing knowledge over knowing. Not the same thing. Matthew chapter 7 verse 23. Then I will tell them plainly, here's that word, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. The exact same word he uses in John chapter 17, verse 3. I never knew you personally. You never knew me personally. We have information about each other. In fact, you have so much accurate information about me. But we never knew each other Personally, this was a crazy thing for Jesus to say. I never knew you. I thought you were omniscient. Oh no, I know everything there is to know. I have all of the information about you. I wove you in your mother's womb. I know every hair follicle. I know everything there is to know about your pancreas. But what I'm saying is, we don't know each other. And that's what eternal life is all about. John chapter 5 verse 39 Jesus is talking to the religious biblical experts and he says, you all study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me 
to have life. You know the scriptures. And yet you refuse to come to the one of whom the scriptures have been speaking from the beginning. Because listen y'all, if the written word does not push us into the presence of the living word, Jesus says you are misusing and missing the point of even the written word. There are going to be a lot of us who know a lot about the Bible. But we did not run into the presence of the one of whom these scriptures speak. They are always inviting us into the presence of a person who is to be known and loved and cherished and delighted in above all things. I'm just saying this year, man, we want to say, Jesus, we want to know you a little more personally than we did last year. Will you join us in that journey? I mean, the team is going to come out because we got to sing some more. Come on, somebody. Um, But in this series, we want to talk about why this matters. And we want to talk about what this looks like. And so we want to talk about things like delight. Oh man, that's a tough one. I mean, come on, if we were honest and we took a survey at the house of the Lord, Where does Jesus rank on the list of things you delight in? The list of things you get up for? The list of things you look forward to? The list of things you enjoy? Because the Bible says he is the treasure. Some dude found him, went and sold everything so he could have him. And I'm thinking about all of the things that I look forward to and all of the things that I'm constantly scrolling and all of the things that get my adrenaline, my dopamine, all of those things. And it's just not Jesus. We want to talk about delight. How do we return to a place of Edenic delight, like in the garden? How do we return to a place where we start to anticipate heaven like it's actually going to be awesome because Jesus, the person, the treasure is going to be there? Right now, if most of us are honest, we're like, heaven! Does it have Wi-Fi though? And we want to talk about cultivating delight. We want to be a church that says, oh, I enjoy him. And have you ever seen the way people act when they delight in something? You can't stop them from talking about that. You can't stop them from serving that thing. You can't stop them from wanting to be with what they delight in. And we want to talk about that. We want to talk about prayer. Like what does it it look like to spend time face to face with Jesus? What does it look like to, to discover Jesus, the person, in his word? So it moves beyond this informational exercise into this growing intimacy. Because that's what eternal life is ultimately about. Man, we're stoked for this, and we hope that you journey with us through this series, and we hope you say yes to being a part of what we believe heaven is inviting us into, and oh, we're going to go on mission, because man, that's the best kind. I mean, come on, when I talk about my wife, I hope I'm like, she's, okay, let me tell you, she's, oh, you asked about my wife. Am I married? Yes. She is yay tall. Uh, she's actually not this tall, but... Um, yeah, eyes are hazel and they get like sulfur color when she's upset. Um, you know, here are some facts about her. You know, 
uh, am I forgetting something? Right? No! I'm going to talk about, and then yesterday, we were arguing, right? And I was right, because I usually am. And then she said, oh no. And then we were driving, and then we, I'm going to talk to you about the experience. And if you think about the church so often, when we talk about Jesus, it's not delight, it's not personal. It's something we read about him, something we learned about him, a factoid about Jesus. And we want to be a movement of people who are like, I was with him just yesterday. Girl, you've got to meet him. All of this stuff that's going on in your life, he'll know exactly what to say. You've got to meet this person. Otherwise, it's going to be you've got to repeat these declarations. You've got to recite this prayer. I'm like, you've got to meet this, this man. It's about the person of Jesus. And we want to step into that together. Man, we're going to sing a...